You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. How are you this morning, Naz? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. A nice, uh, nice, safe drive this morning. A little yeah, chilly little this morning, chilly, but, but at least I uh, didn't take my life in my hands driving down the DVP this morning mm-hmm. like a lot of Sundays in the last couple of months. So uh, kind of sunny out there. Uh, days are getting a little bit longer. Moods seem to be getting better and we're all getting tired of winter. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get some warm, warm, sunny weather soon. I hope so. Anyways, what's coming on on the show today, it's uh, one of the uh, most popular days of the year is coming up, uh, which is, of course, uh, squeezed between Valentine's Day and March break. I'm talking about trade deadline day, Naz. I I feel like they should almost turn that into a national holiday. Uh, The TSN and Sportsnet make, uh, they go go overboard with their coverage, and uh, it's, it's become like an iconic day in the Canadian line. So that's around the corner. We're going to talk to Post Media National Hockey writer Michael Trakos, who's going to bring us up to speed on what what may happen on trade deadline day and uh, big, big controversy in the... uh, in the golf world uh, this week, uh, Matt Kuchar uh, uh, got him, himself embroiled in a controversy way back in November. He won a lot of money in a tournament down in Mexico. Some people feel he didn't properly compensate his caddy, and that story uh, took a life of its own this week, and Matt Kuchar had to, uh, didn't have to. But he, uh, I guess, voluntarily or at the urging of uh, urging of his sponsors or uh, some people giving him advice, uh, ponied up some more money for his uh, for his caddy. And uh, certainly, we're going to chat with Sean Clement. Sean, we haven't chatted with in a while. Uh, uh, Sean's now the director of golf at the Quebec at the Royal uh, Quebec. Uh, club and uh, we're going to chat with him about that he may have some opinions about that controversy and we want to know what's going on in the golf world as well so we'll chat with sean clement in the back uh, back end of the hour naz last night uh not the greatest toronto maple leaf performance uh managed to watch the game it reminded me quite a bit of their game down in florida a few weeks back Leafs didn't have any zip last night, Naz. Uh, very few opportunities, very few shots on goal. Um, they uh, just didn't bring it last night. And now, this morning, they do not find themselves in second place in their division anymore. Yeah, they're one point behind the Bruins, but the Leafs have one game in hand. Uh, I understand. I didn't watch the game, but I understand they had eight shots to the middle of the second period. Craziness. Yeah, I mean, they, um, you know, it's just, you know, they, they played well. They've been playing well lately. They had a good, good... Uh, Great ten game g- against Vegas. Yeah, they, they had a good 10-game uh, stretch. The, the only game uh, they lost uh, in the last little while was against the Rangers. I think it was last Sunday, and they had a... Uh, 
the Bulgarian backstopper for the Rangers, <laughs> stood on his head and took a lot of rubber in that game uh, to uh, keep keep the keep the Leafs at bay in that one. Uh, you know, so I mean, it's the reports out. Uh, Babcock was quoted after the game. Some of the players are quoted after the game. It's no big deal. Um, it happens. Uh, um, move on to the next one. Get that one out of the system, and uh, you know we got to get we got to got to get ready for a stretch drive. So we're going into St. Louis as one of the hottest teams in the Nine league. Nine in a row they won St. Louis. They're yeah. in the playoff hunt. Two, yeah, two now. And, so. ju- and just to think, uh, a little while ago we were talking about Pitch Angelo coming to Toronto. So things can things can change pretty quickly in the uh, in the NHL nowadays. And uh, Leafs got a big week. Blues, Capitals, and the hated Habs. They seem to create a little bit of distance with respect to the Habs, but uh, Washington's always a tough game. Um, they're in the thick of it, and um, and you look at the standings, and there are, there are ten teams. Uh, you know, forget about Tampa; they're clearly uh, going to win the President's Trophy, the number one team in the league. Uh, they've separated themselves from everybody else. And then you've got a group of a whole bunch of teams, 8 to 10 by my count, that are between 73 and 76 points. So it's uh, it's going to be a mad, mad scramble to the finish line. And, you know, as we said, you know, Leafs, uh, Leafs had a good stretch. As you said, Naz, the season goes in cycles. Um I'm not. I'm not putting too much into last night's game, other than the fact that you know, thankfully, the Leafs don't have to meet the Coyotes in the playoffs unless it's the Stanley Cup final. They, they can't seem to beat these guys. Yeah, uh, be at home too. <laughs> so th- th- I think that's it for the Coyotes for this uh, for this season for the Leafs, and thankfully, uh, and their record against the Coyotes, they 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 showed it on Hockey Night in Canada last night. I think they're they've lost. 15 of the last eight, 15 of the last 19 games to the uh, Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes. And Montreal slipped a bit too, and they they may be out of a playoff spot. Well, like you know. I said, Naz, there's uh, you know we're into the we're into the uh, as they would say in 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 baseball the dog days. Uh, these are the dog days of February or March, where things get tight, things get tough, uh, and um, you know, you cannot afford um, any missteps at this time of year, and especially the way the standings look when you when you pick up the paper and you look at the standings now. There's not a lot of margin for error. Now, thankfully, the Leafs are in a pretty good spot, but they can't. You know, they they, they better, can't let it up though. You know, they, they, they you know, and on that pedal, they you know, the the, the arrow better be pointing forward, and it, it, it you know, they can't have it turn around and look the other way. There, there's just in today's NHL, um, there's no margin for error, and you know, it looks like you know, you know, the scenario looks like right now, um, Toronto, Boston. Uh, I don't see, you know, a few weeks back, Montreal was in was in the thick of it. A little <laughs> further back, Buffalo was in the thick of it. But, uh, you know, the, as they say, the cream rises to the top. And it uh, looks like the Toronto-Boston uh, first-round matchup, uh, it, it looked like they're pointed at each other. Wally, again. there was a rumor during the week that uh, Hitchcock was going to step down as coach of the Oilers. It's... Uh, Oilers got there. They're, they're, they've gone in reverse. Uh, 
That's, uh, that franchise is well. They got real Keith. <laughs> got uh, Keith Gretzky running it now. I think he's a temporary uh, GM till uh, till the end of the season. At least the, that's the way it's been reported. How can uh, you have the best player in hockey and be one of the worst teams? How does that happen? You got to try. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to beat up on Peter Chiarelli this morning. Uh, but you know you could beat up on them. Um, you know, not not only in. Uh, oh wait, gotta, my iPhone's doing strange things on me this morning. Naz, uh, turn it off. Let me see what I can do here. <laughs> I'm hearing it in my. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, just talking about Peter Shirelli and uh, you know he he made some interesting moves in boston that i i thought were a bit uh a bit off the mark and and in the taylor hall move that i thought was a crazy move in in uh in edmonton getting rid of taylor hall uh for adam larson you gave up the mvp in the league uh i don't know how you could not have built a team around uh taylor hall and connor mcdavid and and drysital but uh, goaltending and defense uh, has never happened. Uh, has never they've never solved that issue in Edmonton, and and they're and they got salary cap problems, and they're and they're butting up against the cap. So they may be, like, dra- I, they may I, be I, getting I, the first uh, pick in the draft again this this summer. Well, it's quite possible. Um, so. Um, I said we weren't going to beat up on Peter Shirelli. I guess there's, there's no other way of addressing that problem. Uh, it was not entirely of his making. Uh, he inherited a certain amount of it. Um, but, you know, how many number one draft picks have they had there? Number one overall. What happened? Nail Yakupov. I don't even know where he is these He's days. In the Taylor Hall's in New Jersey. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's with Edmonton. He's a good player, but you know, Jordan Everly's with the Islanders. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't a you know. And uh, um, how they managed not to put a team together? Um, that team should have been consistently one of the best teams. And and two years ago, they had a run, and uh, you know they they made the playoffs and they uh, they had a they nice little to run go to the finals of the Stanley Cup. And what happened? What happened? Shouldn't it be interesting what Michael Tragos has to say about that? Let's certainly ask him that question, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what his thoughts on that. You know, Edmonton's gone one way, Calgary's gone the other way. Um, Leafs, uh, interesting. Before we go to break, um, what uh, what they may have in mind for the trade deadline? Does does Kyle Dubas stay pat? I think he stays pat. I really do. I don't think they're going to add any. If they add something, they're going to add, add depth forwards, like fourth liners or something. And, and well, you can't, you know, the, no, I, I don't see in any scenario where they substantially change, uh, you know, the you know the, the, the key cogs of the team. Whoever's, mm-hmm. whoever's going to be brought in is, is going to be a fill-in piece, like you say, Naz. Um, I mean, you know, the, 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 the conventional wisdom is some grit somewhere. Um, not so sure you're going to find anybody else on defense. I'm not sure you, you. It's always nice to have more defensemen. I don't know what's available and what you'd have to give up. I, I, my gut instinct tells me Dubas is not willing to give up anything other than he's not 
giving up another first rounder somewhere down the line, maybe a, a prospect here or two or a third or a fourth or a fifth or something like that. And then the proverbial uh, sandpaper and grid up front, and you got to squeeze that in somewhere in your lineup, presumably on your third or fourth line. I, I can't see them doing anything other than that. I think they stay pat. And you know what? They could win the cup without being a, a classified heavy team. They could win. Montreal Canadiens back in the well, 70s weren't a heavy team. No, but yeah, and, okay, Naz, but they had they had some yeah, guys, exactly. you know what, when when you were going over the blue line, Larry Robinson, yeah. uh, you know, and Lambert and Mario Tremblay, they're not, they're, they weren't um, dirty players or tough players, uh, but they were gritty in the sense that they had a nose for the puck. They wouldn't back off. They They'd make their physical presence known, not necessarily with their fists, because that's not the way the game is played. But they need, uh, you know, there's so many cliches in, the, in, in in hockey, so let's use a couple of but them. But they were classified as a fire wagon team. Well, of course then. they were, because they had Lafleur and Shutt and Lemaire, but they also had the they had the guys that were protecting those guys, because you had to in those days. Because, you know, when the, when, when the, one of the big series of the 1970s, and just to digress here just a little bit, the most influential hockey series of the 1970s was when Montreal beat... The Philadelphia Flyers for the, in the Stanley Cup Final, 1976. The Flyers had beat the crap out of everybody for a couple of years and won the Stanley Cup. Had beaten the Bruins. Had beaten the Sabers. Uh, you know the infamous New Year's New Year's Day game, the, their going home game against the Flyers, and and it was a battle of styles between the Habs and the Flyers. And the Flyers were just, you remember those series they used to have against the Leafs? They, just, they, they were just, they were, they were physical assaults mm-hmm. more than anything else. And 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 uh, the, the Habs beat the Flyers, I think, four straight that year mm-hmm. in the Stanley Cup final. Reggie Leach won the Conn Smythe that year. Um, and it was, it was, it was a changing of the guard that, you know, it was talent now. It was the Lafleurs and the Shuts and the Lemaires and the Mondus and those guys. Those guys couldn't have done it without the Larry Robinsons and the Pierre Bouchards and and the tough guys. And the most significant play of that series, sorry, Naz, I'm going back in time here. I'm sure you remember it well. When, when Larry Robinson took Gary Dornhofer oh, yeah. out on the boards, and they had to bring the repairman out to nail the boards back into place. That just changed. To me, that changed hockey. That particular play changed the nature and turned hockey back into a skill game. Not that the Flyers didn't have skilled players. They did. But they beat the crap. They won by beating the crap out of play. Here, out, here's out of people. interesting uh, going back to that. Did you know that Dick Duff was traded for Larry Robinson? Uh, in the draft choice. Yeah, draft choice. <laughs> it became Larry Robinson. Oh, my God. Yeah, Larry Robinson. Uh, Kitchener Rangers, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, tough guy. They had, uh, they had some other tough guys on uh, on, on defense. And uh, it, it was in those days the tough guys protected the skill guys. And uh, game's a little bit different. But we got to go. We got Michael Trakos from the National Hockey Writer from Post Media. Uh, we got to talk to him about trade deadline day. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the Gourmet Special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. 
Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character. It reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.com. CA, we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, National Hockey Writer for Post Media, Michael Trakos. Good morning, Michael. How are you this morning? Hey, pretty good, guys. How are you doing today? We're doing good. We're getting excited. Uh, Naz and I are exchanged. We've, we've, we've managed to convince Shoppers Drug Mart and Hallmark that should put out national uh, trade deadline cards. So, uh, so Naz and I are going to be exchanging trade deadline cards and gifts. So, uh, all kidding aside, it's uh, trade deadline day. I know you're in the thick of the action, Michael. And uh, there's a couple of key names out there. Uh, first of all, we'll talk about some of the key names, and we bring it always back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone, where are they going? Not going to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford them. No, and I don't think you need them. And uh, I think uh, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have already done their shopping. Where did and, do you see an active trade market at uh, trade deadline day this year, uh, Mike, uh, Michael? Sometimes we get all excited. Uh, yeah. Shape it, analyze it for us. Yeah, I think it's going to be active. Um, in regards to the Leafs, I don't think it's going to be totally active. You might see sort of a fringe move where they either get a depth uh, center uh, for the fourth line, uh, something like that, or they get another defenseman just to, uh, barring injury or uh, whatever. I think got just another body back there because I think that's the last thing you want. They're covering a series uh, with the Sabres, or a playoff line with the Sabres in 05-06 where that team was headed to the Stanley Cup final, but over the course of uh, three rounds, they lost like a defenseman almost every week, uh, where they were just decimated by the end of it. Uh, and I think that's, 
I think that's in the back of every GM's mind is that um, when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, they, they, I think they've lost the fewest games, a man games, uh, to injury of any team in the NHL. So uh, I think they're going to get some depth, but I don't think they're going to be in the market for either a Duchesne, a Stone, a Panarin, or uh, even a Wayne Simmons or Michael Furland, uh, to be honest. But uh, in terms of the active market, yeah, I think there's a lot of teams like Pittsburgh, Boston, uh, Nashville. I'm going to be in on those names that is mentioned that you're talking about as well. Um, there's a lot of players out there that are headed to uh, UFA, unrestricted free agency. So a lot of rental names that typically wouldn't be available, I think, uh, in any other market. And it's going to be interesting to see how teams improve their rosters, on at least on paper, um, after that deadline. Um, I think one of the things that Toronto Maple Leafs did that was so smart was that they got Jake Muzzin in well before the deadline. So you know, by February 25th, this guy will have played, I don't know, maybe like eight games or so, maybe, maybe almost ten games. And you know, I, I, whether he's on the left side or the right side, I think there's going to be a comfort there, whereas a lot of these guys who come in on February 25th, you know, it, it might take them um, a couple of months maybe even to get acclimated. So uh, well, we'll see how it turns out, but... I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be worried about keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Michael, who's going to be the most active team at trade deadline, do you think? I got my money on Nashville. And just because David Coyle is one of those guys that loves to swing for the fences at this time of year, it seems like. And you look at that team, and goaltending-wise, there might not be a team that's got better uh, set of two goaltenders. Um, defense, you know, what can you say about a team that's got Subban, Yossi, um, Matias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis? Like, there's no holes back there. Uh, where there is some quality, or some concern is that you know, they don't have the horses up front. Like after Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, and Victor Arvidsson, I think there's a talent drop off. I don't think Cal Turris has been the player that they expected him to be. And I don't think they're getting that secondary punch that they need. Um, really, that secondary punch has been coming from the back end. So um, I imagine that they're going to get, you know, one of either Duchesne, Stone, Panarin, whoever. Um, they're going to get a, maybe even two players up front. And so that, in my mind, I'm talking about the West. It's, you know, it comes down to, I think, Winnipeg, Nashville, and San Jose. And right now, I think Nashville needs to beef up their offense, their forwards uh, before they can kind of um, be considered a Stanley Cup contender. Michael, what what happens with the Oilers? What are they going to do? Yeah, <laughs> what can they do? Like they, they traded Mac, uh, Cam Talbot, and I think that was the one piece that they had. And I, I think you know, all eyes, I guess, are going to be on Yessi Pugliarvi, uh, the kid that they drafted, what was it, fourth overall um, in the same year that the Leafs got Matthews and Winnipeg got line A, and he hasn't worked out. But at the same time, you know, I, I just wrote about Dylan Strome earlier <laughs> in the week. And, you know, that's the danger. You, know, you trade Dylan Strome, uh, Arizona does, because he's just not working out and they get impatient. And when you see him, he's lighting it up now at the Blackhawks. He's basically a point-per-game guy ever since he got to Chicago. And, you know, Edmonton, I think, is probably considering the same thing now with Paul Yarby, where he's just not working out. But you trade him now, you're not going to get value for him. And you run the risk of, you know, if he sends Carolina. So, uh, and that's one of the rumored destinations. Well, he's got a history of playing with Sebastian Ajo. This guy could light it up as soon as he gets there. All of a sudden, he's in a top six role, and 
Um, he doesn't have that pressure that he might have had in Edmonton. And, um, and there's another trade that's kind of blown up in your face. But other than that, like, what do you do if you're Edmonton? You can't trade Milan Lucic. No one's taking that anchor of a contract. Um, the guys in the back end aren't getting moved like Chris Russell. Yeah, you're really set um, there with the Oilers where you've, you've made your bed. Now you got to sleep in it until those guys um, either come off the books or you're allowed to buy them uh, out of their contracts. But, yeah, I don't envy the position that Keith Gretzky and uh, Bob Nicholson are in right now because it's almost kind of like a, a waiting pattern. Um, you, you've got the guys. It's just a matter of, you know, be patient. And I don't know how you, you're patient in that kind of market. Interesting. Uh, interesting about this year, um, and I, I want to get your take on it as well, Michael, um, is there seems to be... You know, it doesn't seem to be that many teams that are completely, at this point in time, out of a playoff run. Some of them have come on. Uh, Carolina's come on. Um, St. Louis. St. Louis has come I mean, we were on the show, Naz and I were just talking about this earlier. The rumor, what was it, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, that we were <laughs> they were going to be moving Pietrangelo to the Leafs? You, I, guys, you guys, I think, were questioning me, or maybe someone else was yeah. on the radio, I remember. Hey, should the Leafs go after Pietrangelo? Yeah. There was a chance that Pareko could come to the, the team, and I'm thinking, okay, six weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> They're, uh, this team is the third best team in the century. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a run. It's a run to the finish line this year. I mean, I pick up the paper, and you, there's 10 teams, or 8 to 10 teams that have between 73 and 76 points, like obviously spread throughout the whole league. And then you've got other teams like Carolina and St. Louis coming on. Uh, and you've got Columbus, who, you know, they're talking about moving out Panarin and Bobrovsky, but they're not out of it. So how does a general manager uh, make that decision? Um, Man, is your, is your sense there's something different this year? It's going to be real tough because how do you tell your owner, like you said, that you're out of it, that you're going to be a seller, that you're going to be discarding players that are going to get you into the playoffs um, for the good of the long term when that player, that owner saying, yeah, but two home playoff dates, man. <laughs> I got some money in the bank. How do you do that? And uh, you're right. Any other year, um, a lot of those teams, like in Edmonton, the Chicago, um, even Anaheim, like it, they fire uh, Randy Carlisle, and at the time, I think they're only like five or six points out of a playoff spot, and that team has lost like something like twenty-two of twenty-eight games or something. It's <laughs> incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, As of today, the Pittsburgh Penguins are not in the playoffs. Yeah. It's, and how, and how can you think Sidney Crosby not being in the playoffs? Well, how would you like to be Steven Stamkos and you win the President's Trophy as the best team in the NHL? And oh yeah, here you go, first run matchup. Pittsburgh Penguins are just sneak into the playoffs. <laughs> I'd rather be and, where the Leafs are, really. I know. Like we're talking, a lot of people kind of, you know, like wring their hands over the fact that Toronto might have to play Boston again. But you really want to be Tampa and potentially facing the Penguins in the first round? Like that's not an enviable matchup as well. So, um, or even like the Islanders, um, you know, potentially they could face them uh, after winning the the division. There's a team that no one would have expected to be in the playoff spot, never mind a division leader. So, yeah, yeah the, the standings are kind of kooky this year. And yeah, over in the West, it's been a snail's race where no one seems to want to uh, win it. Um, 
Yeah, well, we'll see if there's any kind of sort of separation in the next week. I, I doubt it. I think that's going to be the challenge. Like I was talking to a couple of GMs earlier this week, and and that was the main concern. They said, but we still don't know for a seller. You know, I don't think we're going to be buyers because, you know, let's face it, if you get into the playoffs, it's going to be as the the eighth or the seventh seed. And, you know, I can't be a buyer if I'm only a seventh or eighth seed, but. Um, there's no way I'm selling my rental players that I thought I'd be selling at this point of year. So um, there might be a fewer names available, but you know, uh, if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm selling. I don't know about you guys, but whether they're a playoff team or not, that's not a Stanley Cup team. And you know, I, you're not going to hang on to Panarin just to, for the sake of okay, we're a playoff team. Um, I think that's a piece that you can get. Forget about just the first round pick. You're getting a first round pick easily for him but you're also getting a top-end prospect and quite possibly like two decent roster players like that's a package i don't think the arm will kick a line in the gym and can pass up so i'm real intrigued to see if they've got the kind of uh, uh cut spot to kind of actually go through with it and uh, make that hard decision of trading either him or Bobrovsky. um it, it will be interesting to see what they do yeah, it would be interesting to see if Columbus would make a trade and then try to land uh, Duchesne or Stone in the same breath. That would be an interesting move. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Uh, and that's the thing. Uh, what I'm hearing is Columbus, if they do trade Panner, and it could be to a non-playoff team. Like it could be to uh, the Rangers or the LA Kings. And um, if that's the case, uh, maybe, maybe it's just one of those kind of hockey deals and um, both teams sort of get better and Maybe the Islanders not going to be any worse for wear if they get a couple of roster players along. So well, along with it, but well, one of the deals I've heard is for the Islanders actually, and you know if they can get a guy like Anthony Beauvillier uh, to go along with maybe a uh, first round pick and one of their top prospects, and that's a team that just drafted real well in the last couple of years. Uh, that could be a real good trade that Columbus just can't turn down. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, I know you you spend a lot of time in uh, press boxes and that type of area, so you, you you get a you get a sense of who's who's coming to the games and which other scouts and which other GMs are floating around. And there was there was this talk a few weeks back of uh, uh, the Leafs and the Carolina Hurricanes were doing a tango dance with each other. So you know, a lot of the Hurricanes uh, staff or management was seen at Leaf games and vice versa. Uh, that seems to sort of died down and the guy that was in the people were talking about was this Michael Furland is is that is that conversation dead or is, uh, is uh, you still seeing some of that activity well it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about I think that uh, with Carolina surging up the, the standings um, I think all bets are off in terms of who they might be or would have been standing to the Leafs or any other team um, at one point I heard Names like Dougie Hamilton and either uh, Brett Pesci um, as well, uh, in terms of a defenseman possibly going to Toronto or somewhere else. And like I said, uh, it's tougher to make that deal. I know Tom Dundon, their owner, um, has been very vocal in the sense that he wants to be in the playoffs and he doesn't think it's ex- acceptable that this team has missed so many years. And, you know, I think there's a lot of Vegas effect going around the NHL where owners. Um, look at what the Golden Knights were able to do with sort of a bare-bones roster, so to speak, and now they're saying to their GM, well, you know what, uh, we've had this team together for X number of years, well, why is Vegas able to turn it around and get something going right off the start where we can't? So, um, yeah, I, I don't expect 
as long as Carolina is in the mix, that Furlan would be available or any of their defensemen would be available. I know they've been scouting the heck out of Toronto and other games, but um, I, I have a feeling those kind of talks have died down of late. Looks like Lou Lamarillo uh, has brought New Jersey Devils hockey back to the Islanders. They play such a great defensive game, and they're number one in the league. That's very surprising. Or, or, or Barry Trotz. <laughs> yeah, Barry Trotz, yeah. Very yeah. surprising. What a turnaround that is. I don't, I don't get it, guys. <laughs> like, like hey, how do you lose John Tavares and get better? I think it's, it really is insane. And, you know, all the credit to Barry Trotz, all the credit to Lou Lamarillo, who, you know, him, he, he's always a big believer of the logo on the front is a lot more important than the name on the back. And, you know, it's sort of coming true this year. Um, obviously, the goaltending tandem of uh, Grice and uh, Robin Lehner has been the story of the year for them. And, you know, those guys are probably going to combine for the William Jennings Award as like, the lowest goals against average in the league. Uh, last time I checked, they were right around there. But it's, um, yeah, it's one of those ones that you can't really put your finger on. Like, no, they don't have a single guy, I think, in the top 50 in scoring, and yet they've got, like, something like 13 or 14 guys who've scored at least 10 goals or more. So it is a total team effort uh, that's happening down there. It's not just the top line. It's not just the second line. Uh, it's all four lines that are going in. Yeah, all the credit, like I said, to Barry Trotz, and then I have all the time in the world for Lou Lamorello. Uh, the guy's just a class act and um, a true gentleman and, and one of those guys that just knows how to build a hockey team the right way. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, we won't keep you much longer, but uh, the the conversation since the Matthews signing is, is uh, I wouldn't say that it's heating up because the Marner camp is uh, sort of putting a kibosh on discussing it now they've said they won't talk about it till after the season or that deal's going to get not going to get done but have you formulated uh, in your mind michael uh, uh obviously marner will be signed uh come hell or high water uh what's the number going to be what's the number going to be in the term let's start yeah, let's take gonna, a bet yeah it's going to be somewhere close to what tavares is making um i don't think he's going to be making uh, exactly what Matthews is getting, but it's not going to be that far off. Uh, if anyone thinks that the gap is going to be more than a million or so, um, they're crazy. This guy's Marner is incredible. And I think it's going to be five years. I think it's going to be... Um, actually, sorry, I don't think it's going to be five years. Uh, the word I'm hearing, and this is just from a couple sources, is that um, that's where it's going to differentiate, where you're going to go a little longer term, and because you're going longer term, um, he's going to take um, maybe a little bit more money, uh, but the percentage I think is going to be a little different, a little less than what Matthews is getting. And that's the thing to talk, to think about. We all get caught up in just actual dollars, how many million he's making per year. The agents these days, and especially with Marner's camp, and this is very true of Matthews and also of McDavid, they're talking about percentage. Uh, what's the percentage of the cap that these guys are getting? And um, that percentage is going to be real close to what Matthews is getting, but I think it's going to be a little less. And um, so uh, whether it's five, six, seven, eight years, um, don't worry about the dollars. Look at the percentage. And um, ultimately, I think that's where it's going to come down to. But, you know, if this guy's a top five scorer by the end of the year and or, or even in the top ten, um, it's going to be hard not to pay him what he's definitely worth. And this guy's worth as much as Matthews in my mind. 
Well, we wish uh, we wish Kyle Dubas and all his number crunchers all the best. I hope they've, they've invested. The calculators. Man. <laughs> I hope they've invested in uh, in the latest high technology computers and calculators because it's going to take some significant mathematical expertise to make those numbers work. So uh, we'll we'll let them figure that one out, Michael. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure. You know, always uh, we always appreciate your time, and I always want to remind our listeners that uh, not only do you uh, do uh, you write for the Post Media, and you can we can find you in the Toronto Sun and the Toronto uh, and the Financial Post. Uh, you're also an author, and you've got a great new book out, the next ones: How McDavid, Matthews, and a group of young guns took over the NHL. It's uh, it's a great topic. It's uh, it reflects the NHL from today. And to all our listeners, we highly recommend check out Michael Trakos, uh, author of the next ones. Michael, thanks so much. Hey, thanks, guys, and thanks for plugging the book. And, yeah, for any Toronto Maple Leafs fans, there's a significant chapter on Nylander, Matthews, and Marner in there. So tells you how exactly they got from point A to point B. And it's, uh, each each one's path is significantly different. So. Anyways, thanks Michael, again. enjoy Canada's next national holiday, National Trade Line uh, Deadline Day, <laughs> Trading Deadline Day. I'm going to have to get my card from Homer. <laughs> thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. That, of course, is Michael Trakos. Uh, uh, Naz, any thoughts on uh, Leafs? Final thoughts on Leafs on National Trade Line, Deadline Day? And I, th- I think I think Michael. Yeah, I think Michael got it. I, I, I you know, he, he sort of echoed what what you said uh, earlier, which was uh, we don't see the Leafs doing much. Fringe players, they can add. Anyways, it's time to go to break. After the break, we'll be back with Sean Clement, and we'll be talking golf. And a little bit about Matt Kuchar, I would suspect. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. 
Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. It's time to change uh, time to change tack here, Naz. We're going to get off the ice and talk about some green, uh, the green of golf. And uh, who could be better to talk to about that than uh, our good friend, Sean Clement. How are you, Sean? Hey, boys, how you doing? Uh, we're doing good. You're, uh, you're uh, now the director of golf at the Royal Quebec. And uh, is it any warmer there than it is in Toronto, Sean? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't know. I just uh, We just got about 80 centimeters of snow this week. So we got some good insulation. <laughs> uh, so you guys are, uh, guys are doing well, uh, Sean. It's, it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, we wanted to wade into uh, a controversy that uh, happened, and we wanted to get your thoughts on it, uh, a controversy that happened on the PGA Tour uh this uh, uh this week the event actually happened back in november and i'm talking about matt kuchar who uh, uh won uh won a tournament back in uh, november in mexico that's it yeah, 1.2 about 4 years yeah well i think he 1.3 million dollars or thereabouts didn't bring didn't bring his regular caddy to that tournament uh, hired uh, hired somebody local yeah. and then uh uh, apparently he had uh, he had agreed upon a fee and um, settled it, and then later on the caddy wasn't too happy about it. Felt he should have been paid more, and that got Kuchar embroiled in a controversy that he finally backed down on this week. Probably because his sponsors probably said uh, fix this and fix it soon, yeah. and uh, settled with uh, with the caddy for $50,000. Naz and I had a discussion on this, and uh, uh, I'd like off your... Air. Off, uh, off air. Uh, Naz, I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably in a significant minority. Uh, I understand where the majority thinks about this particular issue, and most of the majority is backing the caddy's stance on it. I'm not completely backing Kuchar, but I'm not backing the caddy either. Uh, I think it was mismanaged from both sides. But Sean, should uh, should uh, should did did Kuchar do the right thing uh, by settling at a higher figure? And did he do the wrong thing by how he handled it originally? Well, I mean, it's, um, you know, you, you go about your daily business and, and I think it's just a wake-up call for Matt um, to uh, to be uh, a little more caring about the people around him, you know, you're you're talking about the, you know he's in the top percentile as far as uh, money earners, and um, and you're you're talking about a caddy in Mexico. So, number one, I think that he had a lot of value to bring to the table because he's a local caddy and knows the golf course intimately, and that was uh, to me an advantage. Matt Kuchar. Number one, he didn't recognize that, and uh, he basically treated him like uh, any other, you know, uh, a backup caddy that uh, that would be uh, in, a, in a local situation. Uh, but you know, the fact that he won because of that, and, and uh, um, you know, you, you, everybody knows that caddies make it, it's it's you can see it everywhere. Uh, they make ten percent of the earnings uh, when the PGA Tour player wins. Obviously, it's not the regular caddy. You don't expect to make that much, 
but you would expect to uh, to get a little bit more of a pat on the back than uh, here's what we agreed upon. Thanks very much. See ya. And um, and because of social media, this was exposed. And um, the um, it would have been nice to see Matt right away realize it, but then instead of you know being defensive about it. And then realizing it afterwards, I think he probably got heckled quite a bit in, in L.A. this week. And, uh, and then has made, uh, you know, his, his repairs on the situation. I think, the, you know, I, I really uh, I appreciated the, the in-depth apology that he gave this week. And I think, um, I think he'll do okay from now on. Sean, how important is the caddy to a success of a golfer? It's massive. You should see the homework these guys do. I mean, the... Uh, a regular caddy is, is going to go out and roll the ball from eight different positions around every possible pin position so that, you know, you don't get fooled by what you see. So there, there's a lot of local knowledge that you really have to do some, some uh, incredible homework on. So, I mean, he has to have uh, uh, an intimate knowledge of the golf course and, and pass on that information to the player. I mean, every relationship of caddy player is different, but uh, there, there are some very high responsibilities for a caddy. Um, talking about, um, and what, what hasn't come out, what hasn't come out in the story and, uh, and you, you've in, in terms of done a good job of explaining the importance of a caddy and, and somebody's regular tour caddy, um, uh, what hasn't come out in this story is, is exactly what this particular caddy uh, would have done to assist uh, Kuchar in winning this tournament. Would it, yeah. w- would it be your sense that without, uh, if it had, let's, let's assume I had been carrying Matt's bag, uh, right. would Matt have still won this tournament? No. Okay, tell me why. Uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, if, if any of the golfers listening right now have ever been to a place like Pinehurst where you have some, some local caddies that are going to, you know, carry your bag for you and, and so you can really enjoy the golf course, and they're going to tell you off the tee, listen, you need to be down this side of the fairway so you can attack that pin. If you're not there, you're going to have trouble with that pin. And then you get to the greens and you say, I know you think this is going to break to the right, but it doesn't. It won't move. Put it straight. Trust me. I've seen this a thousand times. And that's what, you know, this caddy goes out twice a day with groups on his golf course. I tell you, he knows every single grass strand on that golf course. And that, to me, is, uh, is this, that's why a lot of the guys on the PGA Tour for a long time, when they went to Augusta National, they used a the local caddy because they needed that, that knowledge of the greens. So, um, so yeah, that, there's no way that had he used anybody else who didn't know the golf course, I don't, I don't think he would have won. Now, uh, what, what has been reported is that the caddy and Matt had agreed upon the compensation before they sure. started, and that, and that Matt initially had paid him a little bit more, which I found should have paid him a lot more, but they had agreed upon the compensation, and then later on, uh, they had made an offer of about twenty thousand dollars, which the caddy turned down. Um, um, is this all about 
Matt taking advantage of a position where there's unequal bargaining power. The fact that they had made a deal is not relevant, is it? Is it just about the unequal no. bargaining power? Well, I mean, you know, like like Matt says, I mean, the caddy makes about $200 a day on a good day where he is. And somebody comes in on the PGA Tour, and you have the opportunity to, to caddy for a guy on the PGA Tour for 3000 bucks. So you're making more money. That's the offer you get. It's either that or nothing. So obviously he's not going to say no. And um, and then okay, so you make three three thousand for the week and make or break the cut. You make an extra grand uh, for the weekend, and then a top ten, uh, you make an extra thousand dollars. To me, you know that was the caddy being in a position where uh, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll take it because this is better than what I would do this week. And besides, because the tournament's here this week, I can't caddy for anybody, so I will take the position. And um, to me, Matt had a golden opportunity to go, wow, man, I, you know, I had a chance to change the life of this kid or this caddy and his family and make things better for him and to make a real difference and, and for helping me. And like to me, I know that many other caddies or many other players would have handled it differently. And, I, and I'm disappointed that the caddy just had five grand in his pocket at the end of the week after a $1.3 million win, you know? Especially he hadn't won in four years. I mean, he should have celebrated that sucker in a huge way. Do you think the caddy was aware of the compensation for other caddies in in the PGA on the PGA Tour? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, with t- today's day and age, the internet, everybody's got a phone and, and has access to all this information now. I mean, and there's a, there's a lot of people that are going to be whispering in his ear. Uh, you know, I can't believe uh, he didn't give you more than that and all. You know, and, and and I think everybody had a chance to think about it on both sides. And uh, I, you know, I would I would feel cheated. You know, here's uh, here's the American PGA Tour coming in, and they they make all that money, and they leave, and they leave you with, okay, I made a little bit better than what I did, but compared to it, just it just doesn't seem uh, it doesn't seem adequate. Uh, and uh, I'll give Kuchar the credit for this. He finally, uh, he finally, uh, I guess, uh, either he came to it on his own, or uh, my guess is some of his advisors and perhaps some of his sponsors. Uh, yeah, that, ultimately, that, it's Matt Kuchar's decision yeah. to do that, and I applaud him for it. I mean, I, I, I read the apology, and it wasn't like, okay, I'm sorry, here's your fifty grand. Yeah, it's like. Hey, I really apologize to everybody for being an ass, and um, I, I was wrong. And I, you know, I, I profoundly understand what I did, and, and I, it was wrong. And, and then here's the rep, you know, the retribution that everyone everyone thinks is fair, and I think it's fair too. So here you go, no hesitation. There's the fifty thousand dollars, and to me, that was that was just terrific. Uh, it was certainly it was good to see that. Uh, Sean, we've got just a few minutes left, and I uh, want to take the opportunity to catching up with you. Uh, yeah. Tell us what's happening in the in the Sean Clement golf world these days. Bring us up to speed. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we just opened up our indoor uh, academy at the Royal Quebec Golf Club, and it's uh, it's it, the, the the response is much higher than anticipated. That's exceeding my expectations. Um, I'm actually every bit as busy here than I was in Toronto, believe it or not. It's phenomenal. I'm seeing over 60 people a week right now 
in in the academy, and I and because it's so well equipped, and I've got my my GC quad from Foresight. The um, I don't you know you basically don't need a range anymore with the quality of information that you get out of that simulator, and I got people coming in from all over Canada and the U.S. in the winter. Um, to uh, you know, to come and see me for some golf instruction, uh, which is phenomenal. And you know, Quebec City is such a, a bucket list place to be right now. It's the carnival here, and it's the place is on fire. And the, the snow conditions are out of this world. I've never seen so much snow in my life. The ski conditions are ridiculous. <laughs> so um, we've been enjoying this uh, this winter wonderland uh, quite a bit. And Sean, you're still. Uh Still uh, working up a storm in the golf instructional world in uh, on your on your site wisdomingolf.com. Uh, yeah, we, I encourage all the listeners if you want to improve your game, wisdomingolf.com and some of the best 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 material on the internet on your YouTube channel, Sean Clement. So uh, t- t- tell us uh, tell us uh, what's going on uh, on your website and on YouTube. Yeah, during the golf show, um, we uh, we met up again with the gang. Last year, we had a huge spread we did with Golfing World, which is an IMG company out of the UK. And um, I actually was on the Golf Channel uh, on their program every Wednesday at 5 o'clock, and you'll see some more of that because um, we just did um, a, a whole slew of uh, of. Uh, videos and lessons at the Duran Golf Club in uh, in Florida while we were down there at the PGA show. And uh, I already have a few people from Vietnam who, who said, hey, Sean, I saw you out here. I mean, the world is so small now. It's unbelievable. The, these are my students online from Vietnam, which is really hopping right now. There's like 80, 80 golf courses being built uh, in the Vietnam, uh, on the Vietnam coastline. And uh, so... You know, because of the the, the, the the situation in China where the government has actually shut down a few golf courses, they're taking their money and bringing it to Vietnam. And all of the top uh, American um, uh, architects are, are you know, uh, making out like bandits in that, in that neck of the woods. And uh, it was pretty cool that I was on the Golf Channel over there because of Golfing World. Anyways, we've been talking to Sean. Sean, you know the way this show works. We run out of time. <laughs> You've been in studio with us a few times. You know how quickly the time goes by here. We're going to have to let you go. We're going to thank you for helping us out this morning. Uh, appreciate your thoughts on uh, the Matt Kuchar controversy. I think you've, you've, you've pulled me over to your side. Sean, 70 centimeters. That means uh, golf season will open in July in Quebec City, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, early May is, is usually the season. That's what it happens. <laughs> anyway, Sean, we're going to have to let you go. Listen, keep well, and I hope to see you soon. Nice talking to you guys. All the best. Always a pleasure. Sean Clement. Uh, 70 centimeters of snow. (laughs) Holy cow. We we think we have it bad. 20 seconds left, Naz. I usually give you the last sporting word. Uh, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, Big week coming up for the Leafs. Let's see what they can do and uh, get uh, higher in the standings if they can. Go Leafs, go. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. To our listeners, have a fantastic and safe week.